This podcast is brought to you by Laterno University. Laterno University is the Christian polytechnic university in the nation where educators engage students to nurture Christian virtue, develop competency and ingenuity in their professional fields, integrate faith and work, and serve the local and global community. Laterno offers more than 140 undergraduate and graduate degree programs across a range of disciplines and delivery models at Laterno's residential campus in Longview, Texas, and in hybrid and fully online options at centers in the Dallas and Houston areas. Online at letu.edu. That's letu.edu. Hey there, it's producer Michael Miracle here. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. We are your on-air resource as a workplace believer. And check out our website for tons more I Work For Him resources. We've got blogs and podcasts and reading material and all sorts of fun stuff there. Plus, a link to listen to the live show several times a day. Yep, head to the website. That's IWorkForHim.com. IWorkTheNumberForHim.com. And the listen tab's up there on the top left. Click that, then click the live link, and you can listen to us live every weekday. That's IWorkForHim.com. I work the number for him.com. And now let's go ahead and kick off what we all came here for, hearing more about connecting what we learn on Sunday with what we do in our 9 to 5. This is the I Work For Him podcast. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon as we broadcast you from Cass Lake, Minnesota, right here in the heart of the Leech Lake Indian Reservation, the home of the Ojibwe, the Cherokee. Nope, that was just kidding. The Chippewa, that's what I meant to say, just trying to get Craig Smith all riled up. And of course, the Anishinaabe, that's really the people. And that's really what this land is all about. And we're going to be talking today, not about the plight of the Indian people, the Native American people, as they like to call it, because they're not really Indians. That's just the name that some guy from Spain said, well, I landed in India. No, in fact, he landed on North America. These are the Native American people, the Aboriginal people of our great country. We're going to be talking about not the plight, but the potential. And we've got three ministry guys here that do ministry on Indian reservations around our country. And I can't wait for you to hear their hearts. But in the meantime, before we get to them, I want to invite you to check us out online iworkforhim.com that's iwork the number four him.com join the i work for him nation join us start praying for your co-workers and employees by name each and every day join the i work for him nation and start to see your own life transformed and then your workplace to be transformed after you and we also invite you to call our listener line, 866-713-9675, 866-713-9675-866-713-WORK. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got suggestions on people that you think we should be interviewing and how we can just broaden our perspective on growing the body of Christ and becoming unified in the body of Christ. And as I said today, we are on location in Cass Lake, Minnesota, in the home of Craig and LaDonna Smith. You might have heard our show last week as we talked about with Craig and LaDonna about his about Craig's book, The White Man's Gospel. Again, a book you've got to get a copy of. You've got to check out Craig and LaDonna Smith online at tribalrescue.com, tribalrescue.com. But Craig, you've brought a couple of your buddies in here, all of you doing ministry on reservations across the country. Craig, why don't you introduce your two friends? Sure. I'm delighted to have... Uh... With us here, uh, uh, Bill Haas. Uh, Bill is uh, a dear brother in the Lord and works at the the Bible School. LaDonna referenced last week the Mocha Ministry Center here in Cass Lake. He directs that uh, ministry. It may sound like you said Mocha Ministry Center, but Mocha Hum. Mocha Hum, yeah. Mocha Hum. Oh, so the H is not pronounced. Mocha Hum. Yeah. Mocha Hum. It's uh, Mocha Hum. Mocha Hum. Dot org yeah. is how it's pronounced or right. S- uh, spelled. Right, and it's a it's a training facility, for a ministry training center. 
and uh, Bill Bill leads that, and we're delighted to have Bill in the area. And then I'm also so pleased to have a dear brother of mine, Dr. Ryan O'Leary. Now, that's a real Indian name, like Smith, right? But uh, Ryan is uh, from one of the seven-member tribes, uh, Ojibwe tribes in Minnesota here that make up the Minnesota Chippewa tribe. And uh, he's from a, a neighboring reservation, and, and he's a, a dear brother in the Lord and a great, uh, great friend as well. Well, Craig, thanks for having us all in your home. Ryan and Bill, welcome to I Work For Him. <clears throat> Good Thank to be you. here. Good to be here. Thank you. I can't wait to hear your stories. And, and it's great looking around the room. Okay. This is something I've dreamed of for years to be able to actually have a conversation, an open conversation with Native Americans about how we can join together under the gospel to reach our nation. And, you know, so many of us, so let's just call, I'll call myself a white guy. So many of us from the Anglo population, we don't know what to do with the history of the ancestors that came and founded this country. We don't know what to do with that. It wasn't us. We didn't do it, but we don't know what to do with it. And so it creates this awkwardness between us. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. But before we do any of that, I just really want to hear, Bill Haas, how did you come to be a follower of Jesus? Well, I was um, a young young child, and um, I was a young child, and um, I actually went to a local grocery store and stole a candy bar. Right here, local, like in Kansas. No, I was raised in Oklahoma. Okay. And uh, Oklahoma, uh, Shawnee, Oklahoma, Pottawatomie County. I'm uh, enrolled Pottawatomie um, tribe there and also from an Oneida heritage, which is an Iroquois tribe. Um, Born to a Native American father and a white mother. uh, Raised in church, going to church from the time I was a little kid. I went into a grocery store one day with my father and stole the Baby Ruth candy bar. Uh, As we were leaving the store, my dad looked up and saw the peanuts and the chocolate coming out of the corner of my mouth. (laughs) And um, you weren't a real good thief. I was I was busted. He said, where'd you get that candy bar? And with a mouthful of Baby Ruth, I said, what candy bar? Um, Make a long story short, the next the sun the next Sunday, Mrs. Carpenter, who was my Sunday school teacher, happened to be in the book of James, and she said, "Boys and girls, the book of James says that if you have offended the law in one point, you're guilty of all of it." And here I was at seven years of age, in, intensely under conviction by the Holy Spirit, realizing that not only had I broke the commandment, "Thou shalt not steal," but now, according to God's word, I had broken them all. Uh, so I was a killer. I worshiped idols. Um, I was disrespectful to my parents. I had stolen. Um, I committed adultery, although at seven, I didn't know what that was, but I knew it was in the list. So it's bad. And I just had this heavy conviction on my heart that I, I came to the understanding that I was lost at the age of seven. And then the following week, my dad said, we're going to go to a revival meeting. And so we went to a revival meeting and the pastor was uh, from the Sac and Fox nation, a, a tribal preacher. And um, the Holy Spirit just got a hold of my heart and said, you need salvation. You need forgiveness. You need Jesus. And um, the preacher was a long-winded Southern Baptist preacher. And he just kept going and going and going. And I finally said, Lord, I can't wait on him. And I bowed my head and my heart in my seat and said, Lord, I can't wait on this guy. (laughs) And I trusted Jesus as my Savior in my seat. Sure enough, 20 minutes later, he said, let's bow our heads and let's stand. He gave a, a, an invitation, a gospel invitation at the end of the service. And I went forward and he said, young man, why have you come? And I said, well, I couldn't wait on you anymore, preacher. I trusted Jesus back in my seat. And so 
he took the scriptures and, and made sure I, that I understood what I was doing. And that's the day that Jesus saved my soul. That's awesome. November, 1966. That's fantastic. Yep. All right. Dr. Ryan O'Leary, again, not a real great Indian last name, Native American last name, but O'Leary, I imagine you must have some Irish in the background? Just just a little bit of Irish. Yeah, ah. just a touch. He's the only guy in this room that has light-colored hair. Well, we have light-colored hair, the three of us, but he's got, like, red hair. Okay. Ryan. Well, tell, not exactly red. But well, it probably was red at one point in time. Yeah. Tell us about how you came to be a follower of Jesus. Sure. So, um, uh, similar to Craig and Bill here, um, come from a mixed-blood uh, family. Uh, parents. Uh, my dad was born and raised on the reservation. He moved off the reservation when he was a teenager. And um, he met a guy, uh, on fire Christian, who kept on talking about wanting to bring him to church. And my dad said no a number of times and eventually said, you know, I'm just, I want to get this guy off my back. And so my dad went to a, a Christian church, uh, first time ever, I think, uh, when he was in his 20s, heard the gospel, ended up getting saved. Uh, my mother uh, eventually became a Christian about six months after that. And so I was raised in a Christian home, received Jesus when I was six years old into my heart and my life. I uh, knew the Bible well, grew up in a Christian home and uh, turned away from following the Lord through part of my teenagers and early 20s. And after college, I was really going through a time of really searching for meaning and purpose. And I questioned God's existence. And it was probably uh, at that point in my life where I had the greatest unbelief where Christ revealed himself to me most profoundly. <clears throat> And at the time, I was working for my reservation up at Boys Fort in that lake. And I lived in this little one-bedroom apartment and had so much time just to be by myself and with God. And so I would leave the tribal government building. I'd go home and I would just spend time in prayer and reading the word. And uh, God just profoundly met me there. He transformed my heart and my life. And in the midst of it, he gave me a calling to preach and to lead. And so that's why I've been on this ministry journey for a number of years and why I'm working with Chief and why I'm doing what I'm doing, uh, because this is something the Holy Spirit has put in my life and give me a vision for it. So I'm just excited. I can't wait for all of us to just to hear your stories of, of how the Lord's using you among you among. I don't I, I don't I know they're your people, but they're our people because we're talking about we all live in the same country and we're all been we're, we're all you guys are from here. We're not from here. You know, our ancestors aren't from here, but the ministry among the native American people. I'm excited to hear how God has been working. I want to talk about some of the, I want to talk about this plight versus potential. Craig, why don't you, you got 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Give us the difference. What's the difference between plight and potential? Well, plight is a ministry philosophy that sees the, the negative and tries to address the negative with ministry that perpetuates the negative potential is ministry that sees beyond the negative and looks at the potential of the people you're attempting to reach. And in, in bringing the gospel to them, it's a positive message that delivers, liberates, and then empowers the people you're reaching to be witnesses among their own people and not just our own people, but literally around the world. We are just as responsible as anyone else to fulfill the Great Commission. You listen to I Work For Him as we broadcast from Cass Lake, Minnesota on the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe Reservation land. It's also the land of the Chippewa and it's the land of the Anishinaabe. Or on, how did you say it, Bill? You, you said it different. I say it with an Oklahoma accent. Anishinaabe. 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 Which means the people. The people. So what does that mean? Well, the it, it's like any tribe. Uh, oftentimes you look at the original names of, of any culture. They'll say it's it's uh, the people. Emphasis on the word the. Numero uno. You know, uh, 
we mentioned in, in Genesis 11, there was one culture, one language, and then God dispersed. He, get, he confused the languages and dispersed into all the world. And oftentimes, when you look, the reason they settled in the plains of Sharnam was for two reasons. Scripture says, number one is that we would make a name for ourselves. If there was just one people, who are they trying to impress? <laughs> There's no one else around. We're going to make a name for ourselves. To who? There's no one else around. Right. Well, that's pride. Pride says I'm number one. And and that has tainted every human culture from there. But the other reason they, they stopped is so that they would uh, not be scattered. What did God say to Adam and Eve? Be fruitful, multiply, and scatter. What did he say to Noah and his children when they came off the ark? In the ninth chapter of Genesis, he said, be fruitful, multiply, scatter. So those two things, it's interesting in God's holy word, he identifies in our common ancestors pride and disobedience. And that has filtered into the DNA of every human culture that was shooed off the plains of Shinar. And then it says God scattered them over the face of the earth. And God scattered us and assigned us our locations where we should live. We see that in the 17th chapter of the book of Acts. Now, Bill and Ryan, I know if I just let Craig, he would go on forever and ever and ever. <laughs> I want to talk about your specific ministries. We, we've talked, got to talk to Craig and LaDonna last week about tribal rescue ministries and, and just a little bit about it, but we just really, really their story. Bill, I want to hear about mochaum.org and it's mocha, M-O-K-A-H-U-M.org. Talk to us about that ministry. Um, Mokohum is a um, discipleship training center for Native American students. We draw students from all across North America, Canada, and the United States. Uh, we're a small school. Uh, we usually um, reach capacity at about 12 to 15 students. Um, 15, we're actually stretched. Um, we do a um, two-year program, which is a discipleship program, and then an additional two years, a third and fourth year for ministry specialization. One of the things that we like about our school is that because we're small, we can emphasize the mentoring process where we sure. have an opportunity to uh, pour our lives into the students, uh, not only the staff at Mocum, but also local area pastors uh, engage with our students in, in mentoring um, uh, men and women. Predominantly in the past, we've been primarily uh, male student body, uh, but we're seeing a lot of that change and it's transitioning a little bit. And uh, but uh, we're excited about the the uh, the things that are happening at Mocum. We have a graduate now that's uh, pastor of Hayes Alliance Church in Montana. Uh, we have graduates all across the country. Uh, this year we have uh, about 15 potentials that are looking at coming to school here this this fall, and they're all the way from Manitoba to Arizona to right here in Castle Lake. Okay, so talk to about this Mokahum, M O K A H U M dot O R G Mokahum, and it's really not pronounced that way Mokahum dot O R G. Talk to me about are there schools like that across the country? There are some. Um, there are some um, schools that are like us. Uh, there's one in Arizona. There's one in Alaska. Um, there are there are other schools. There's a new one starting in Oklahoma soon. And so there are uh, schools like this springing up. So people the are listening and they're not from northern Minnesota and they don't want to go to northern Minnesota because they've heard rumors about 40 degree below zero temperatures, yeah, in the which winter is not days. really a rumor. It's the fact. And 40 below is awesome as long as you don't need to drive because you can dress for it, but your car doesn't like it. So I, I just, so if somebody's got an idea and they're living in a part of the country where they're there and, and they're Native American, they're like, I want to start a school like what Bill is talking about. Can you help them start a school in their area of the country? Absolutely. In okay. fact, we're doing that now. Okay. So you got a manual already written up. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. 
Love that. Okay. All right. Ryan O'Leary, Dr. Ryan O'Leary, talk about your ministry, Chief Inc. Sure. Uh, Chief started about 40 years ago, just over 40 years ago. Billy Graham uh, got together with a bunch of indigenous leaders around North America for prayer and to talk about the spiritual social problems. And um, out of that meeting came the ministry called Chief. Chief stands for Christian Hope Indian Eskimo Fellowship. Uh, I would describe the ministry as uh, focused on ministering to indigenous people in North America. So we do a lot of work here in the United States, but we also do some work in Canada and up in Alaska as well. Well, we have this rule, by the way, if you say Canada on I work from, you do have to say A afterwards. So <laughs> Canada, A. Yeah, a, okay. a. Uh, basic ministries that we're involved in is a strong evangelistic focus to chief. Uh, the founder of the ministry, Tom Claus, very godly man, a native Christian leader, his heart was evangelism, so he went throughout North America sharing the gospel, uh, and that still remains a focus of the ministry, sharing the gospel evangelism. The other part of the ministry is discipleship. That includes like leadership development, helping, helping um, Native believers grow, the Native church grow. And a big part of the discipleship ministry is something called the School Without Walls. And what that was really all about is for a lot of years, uh, Native believers and leaders would go down to uh, Phoenix for at the Chiefs Ministry Headquarters for training, biblical education, ministry training. Well, people started saying, well, we can't always go down there. Can you bring the education, the training to us? And so out of that came this idea of doing a school without walls where we bring biblical, theological, ministry training, education right into these tribal communities. And so that's a big, big part of the ministry. So. I mean, there are schools across the land, thousands of them teaching theology, biblical education. How is your school different? Is it different? Is it adjusted uh, in order to uh, bring in cultural intricacies uh, of the Native American po- uh, population? Or why? what was different about it? I think the thing that's specifically different about this ministry is that we, we have a focus of bringing the training education right to the community. It's a school without walls. It's mobile. You go right to where the people are at. The so it's not internet-based. You're talking about people still. Yeah, I'm, not talking, I'm talking about us going right into the community, okay. building relationships with people, following up a long-term relationship uh, with people in the community, uh, nurturing the body of Christ, investing in leaders, investing in believers, helping them grow. There's a discipleship focus to it. So Mokum, for example, obviously has a location where people will come, they'll stay there, they will live, uh, they will get ministry training, education right there, great ministry. Mm-hmm. Ours is a little bit different in the sense that we go actually into these communities mobily, even though this ministry is located on the reservation, we go mobily into a lot of different communities and provide training and education. And I think it's important for your listeners to know that these are all, there's ministry going on in a cultural context that is is biblical and variety is there so uh, it's not just the uh, churches tra- uh, the larger community the larger culture saying you know what can we do there are things already happening sure. mm-hmm. that are led within the native context that are uh, good ministries to yeah. understand and be be involved with so that's I think the partnership right i was thinking the, the question is how do we how do we come alongside you or how do we support mm-hmm. what you're doing and let's talk about tribal rescue ministries really quickly mm-hmm. tribalrescue.org what is that all about well uh, of course being a tribal person uh our hearts desires to reach our people with the gospel so we do a lot of ministry direct uh, my heart is an evangelist that's the gift god's given and that's my desire to do that but you know, we were involved in a life-altering auto accident nine years ago, and I woke up uh, from two months in a coma. Uh, opening my eyes and surrounded me was a tribe, and that tribe was a medical tribe. You know, 
and I couldn't leave that medical tribe. I was stuck for months, five months. But I come to find out they are a tribe. Did you know they're a medical tribe? You know, when you think of it, they all wear the same regalia. They have long white robes. <laughs> they speak a language none of the rest of us do, and their cultural rituals are really strange. They Most of them involve very sharp objects. I've had 38 <laughs> There's surgeries. probably other cultures like that as right? well. So, but they're a tribe, and it's just what you guys are doing with I Work For Him. I, I connect with you guys because the, I realize that that tribe is a lost tribe. Oh. We had my my circumstances changed. We were heading to the so, Hudson Bay to work with the Crees up there, and yet I woke up in this medical tribe, and we shared the gospel with them because of our condition led us in by God's sovereign hand, and and so we we uh, we desire to help train local believers to become an everyday spiritual rescuer in their tribe, mm-hmm. social tribe, uh, educational tribe. Uh, so you're not always preaching on, on Native American reservations? Well, we're not the only ones that need it. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, we need it. But I man, agree. I there. agree. Well, let's just jump into that really, really quick, because as I read your book, White Man's Gospel, Craig, you know, and Bill, I'm going to let you answer this question. Craig writes in here that the Native American people were taught to be receivers of the gospel, but not purveyors of the gospel, not, <clears throat> not people that were sent out. Why? Um, I think it had a lot to do with um, the way that our people were perceived in the beginning, perceived as um, savages and that we were incapable and didn't have the gifting to do things like that. Uh, I would hasten on to say that that is a wrong perception. And I think a lot of probably professing Christendom believed that. Uh, but then again, uh, we've got, like uh, Craig said, uh, Native American uh, Navajo in Indonesia. I know of a uh, Cherokee fellow who's in England and myself uh, served. I served as a Native American, enrolled Native American uh, on the field of Cambodia for 10 years. And so we are seeing now uh, where we are becoming um, senders instead of receivers and the transition is underway and when we come back craig i want you to share just really briefly that story of native to native that first happened with you in australia and how you saw the power of the native american christian testimony to those natives in other lands you're listening to i work for him talking today with craig smith bill haas and dr ryan o'leary he's the only one with the doctor in front you don't have your doctor craig i'm not even a nurse not even (laughs) (laughs) but i've made plenty of car payments for doctors and yeah well there you go well that's but, but that's good, though. I mean, you know, you gotta, you got to support everybody. Hey, we're on location in Cass Lake, Minnesota. We're right here in Craig and LaDonna Smith's living room. They had a ministry called tribalrescue.org. I want you to check them out online, and I want you to get a copy of this book, White Man's Gospel. We're not talking about a lot today. We're talking about pieces of it. But i got to tell you, it opened my eyes up and explained some things and helped me understand things about my brothers in Christ who have grown up and lived amongst the Native Americans and are Native American as well. We've got Bill Haas. It, it, Haas, is that, you know, I grew up Haas and Pfeffer. That was like a rabbit stew. Is Haas rabbit? It's a German word that means rabbit. Uh, I have no idea how he got that name. Got, you have, so it's just like Smith, Craig. He, he got Haas, he got Smith, and Ryan got O'Leary. O'Leary. Got it. Okay. I, all I, hope I hope your listeners really do believe we are Native people with our names. <laughs> <laughs> believe me, we are. <laughs> I can show you my tribal card, but anyway. Me okay, as well. great. And and Dr. Ryan O'Leary, you well, well Bill Haas, your ministry, Mokahum, Mokahum, M-O-K-A-H-U-M dot O-R-G, a ministry training center for Native Americans. And Dr. Ryan O'Leary, Chief Inc., one of the ways you, you teach in tribal colleges, in the business programs. Chief Inc., again, just equipping people, uh, equipping Native American people to really be ministers of the gospel. That's 
and it's mobile and it's out there and it's teaching biblical and theological studies. Yes. Okay. So make sure I get that up. Okay. Right before the break, Craig asked you to, to just briefly mm-hmm. talk about the power of a mm-hmm. Native American sharing with a Native Aboriginal mm-hmm. uh, person in Australia. Well, when you when you think of Native people, you often don't think of us as the ones going. We think of the ones on the receiving end of missions. After 500 years, that's the perception. I think that's still there. But there is great potential in Native America responding to the Great Commission. I was invited a number of years ago uh, to the country of Australia, was asked to speak at a national church conference down there, made up of both the Anglo-Australian churches and the Aboriginal ministry. It's a 25-year anniversary of that ministry down there, and uh, there were both representations from both sides. I, about 30-some hours in the air and waiting in airports, and we get middle of the night and get there, tired, woke up the next morning, uh, 9 o'clock, my first message. And I, I basically, I, I don't even know, I was I was probably the first preacher to almost fall asleep in his own message because I was so tired. But I shared the history of, of the gospel among our people here in North America and the challenges that it has, has left the church with in reaching our people. And after that, the Aborigines just came storming the platform. And, and I, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen, but they, as they got closer in the lights, I could see as they were coming, there was tears streaming on their face. And they said, Craig, you've told our story. We've never had our story conveyed. What Your story is our story. What happened to your people happened to us. And they said, you're just like us. And, and it was an amazing embracing and a, a level of acceptance that they had for me as a Native American uh, and and it was it was just marvelous. We got to a level of intimacy in one message. An American missionary, Anglo missionary, pulled me aside afterward. He said, "Craig, I've been here 25 years. You got here last night, preached your first message, and he said said this to me: You have gotten to the heart of the native people at a level I've yet to reach after 25 years of being here." So what I'm saying is, we're, it's not that we're great, <laughs> better preachers than anyone else. We have a relational connectivity with the indigenous people of the world where the the American church has sent missionaries for centuries and and applaud them, continue to do it. But remember, there is something unique about the Native American experience. And I think Hollywood, actually Hollywood has helped kind of, you know, develop a fascination around the world with Native people. So all of that, there's an interest, but there's an affinity we have, which helps us to cross barriers quicker and bring the gospel, it can has an accelerant potential and it, in bringing the gospel And it moves it away from being a white man's gospel to oh, being yeah. the gospel of the Jews. Yeah, we, we're all in it. We're all in it together. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And, and somehow that coming through a native voice has a resonation factor that uh, I think the native peoples of other nations tend to accept easier. All right. I want to put this, and I love that, and I want to move on, but I want to recognize that that there is power in that, and I love mm-hmm. that. And that's just the power of the Holy Spirit just using what makes sense. That just makes sense. It's like you want to talk to a bunch of used car guys, you should have a used car guy. Talk mm-hmm. to, I mean, if you're going to talk to the gospel to used car guys, first you've got to show them this ridiculous movie we've seen, but then but I mean, you just it's that you understand the culture. Yeah. And you, yeah. Under, and you guys also have a similar history. Yeah. All right. Here's the question out to the three of you, Bill and Ryan and Craig. <clears throat> There's a pretty negative history in our country that none of us today had anything to do with, but yet we've inherited this history. It's our history. It can't be changed. Well, I don't want to dwell in the past, but how do we reconcile 
what happened, what what the settlers did to the Native American population. And I mean, there was a lot of back and forth. I mean, there was killing on both sides. There was a lot of wrong on both sides. But how do we reconcile that past so that it's not an obstacle to the future of the body of Christ crossing all cultures in this country, working together for the for the kingdom of God in our own country? I'm throwing it out. Who, who's going to take that? Ryan, go ahead. Take that. Me? Uh, I think it just starts with being in a place of humility before God and before other people and acknowledging our, you know, any past wrongs that are done. Uh, some of the stuff I think is just pretty straightforward. This is just a matter of Christian, the church moving forward and practicing biblical truth. Um, where the gospel has been proclaimed to native people in the past, but it hasn't been modeled. And so that passage out of Ephesians that says, speak the truth in love, what that actually means is to live the truth in love, which involves our words too. And so uh, I think a big thing going forward is, is how does the church model the gospel, live out the gospel in the midst of proclaiming the gospel to, to native people? Mm-hmm. And, and, and where kindness and love hasn't been practiced in the past, repentance. Hey, I'm going to focus on showing love and kindness in the future as a believer in Jesus Christ. And that's what I really want to talk about is the moving forward. And thank you, Ryan, for those thoughts. I want to talk about moving forward. As we talk on on location today in Cass Lake, Minnesota, on the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe, the Chippewa, the Anishinaabe. As we talk, or the Anishinaabe, it depends on whether you're from <laughs> Oklahoma or not. we got Bill Haas, Dr. Ryan O'Leary, and Craig Smith. As we're just talking about how, let's just take the conversation to the next level. We are all the body of Christ. We've all of us sitting around this table have all been rescued by Jesus. I mean, the gospel, the good news was good for all of us. How do we work together moving forward? Because our churches, not only amongst the, uh, we'll just call them the white churches, there's 40,000 denominations. Then you got the the African-American denominations. There's another several thousand. I don't know. I As I read your book, Craig, I understood that that denominations got assigned to your reservations in the, in hundreds of years past. And so by by the U S government, by the U S government, which that's amazing to me, we've got all this denominational nonsense, but it's (laughs) the one gospel. How do we work together to spread the gospel across our nation to grow the kingdom bill? Um, I think that um, native American leadership in denominations, because let's just be honest about this until Jesus comes. I don't think denominations are going away. Mm. Um, and, you know, Native American leadership within our denominations, I think, is important. Um, for example, um, in uh, I think it was 2000 uh, and uh, I mean, 2008, um, the Southern Baptist Convention elected Johnny Hunt, who is a Lumbee tribal member, as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. That was a great step forward. Uh, Emerson Falls, Dr. Emerson Falls in Oklahoma, was the first Native American to be chosen to be the president of the Oklahoma Baptist Convention. These are great things that happen. And I think we need to see more of that. We need to, in other words, instead of being looked at as the receivers of the gospel, Native Americans have taken great strides to learn the word of God and to be trained and to gain experience. And I think it's time to see Native American leadership uh, in the four. And that's not just so that you can reach your Native American brothers and sisters. It's so that you can reach 
people. Right, because with, with this, the gospel. Is, this is a kingdom, yeah. uh, and it's a yeah. kingdom picture. And I think that we need to look at it from an Acts 17 perspective, that God has of one blood made all nations of the earth mm-hmm. to people to dwell on the face of the earth. But that was something you wrote about in your book, correct? Yeah. Was, yeah. was well, that, that a lot of times they raise, they raise up Christian leaders mm-hmm. within the Native Americans, but so that they could go back to the Native American. Well, you got right. plenty of work to do there. Right, right. And, and not seeing that we have a potential of bringing something to the table to the larger body. I think denominations need to ask themselves a question. Are we an Anglo denomination that does cross-cultural work among other people, or are we truly a multicultural denomination, a multicultural picture? And the difference is what, just what, uh, what Bill mentioned is that native Americans are given opportunity to serve in other leadership capacities beyond, because what's lacking when you have just one culture making determinations and decisions for a denomination that is made up of many cultures, it comes from that Anglo perspective, the leadership. And and a lot of times those decisions don't take into consideration the uniquenesses of the people. I have the privilege right now of serving on the board of directors of the Christian Missionary Alliance. We just met a couple of weeks ago. And at that meeting, I was I was so excited because the very first Native American, as far as I know in our CMA 130-year history, uh, I had the privilege of praying for uh, as she was approved to go to the country of Senegal in Africa. And and so there is that level. We are, we are beginning to be uh, voices that bring another perspective to the decision-making of denominations. And I think that's a healthy thing. Right. So in my work in the tribal colleges, one of the things that we often hear talked about uh, is, this whole, is you mentioned tribal college. Just explain that really quick because not everybody understands. Sure. Tribal colleges is about 36 to 38 around the country where native people can get a college education on the reservation. Um, in tribal colleges, we talk about we live in a nation building era. And the focus of that is building native nations. And I don't hear it being talked about building other nations. And to me, that's short-sighted and that's a little bit self-centered. Just Let's just build tribal nations. I think there's a higher calling that God has given given us, uh, a bigger vision, and that's to go out and be a part of building the kingdom of God throughout the world. And so as I talk in my college courses and I go out and speak, I focus on that. Yes, let's build native nations on the foundation of Jesus Christ, but let's not stop there. Let's go out into all the world and share the gospel and be used by God to build his kingdom amongst all nations. I love that. I love that. All right. So I got 30 seconds, Craig. You last comment. Well, 21 years ago, I guess, uh, was when White Man's Gospel was uh, released. And I thank God that as we sit here today, 21 years later, the things that was in my heart many years ago, uh, we're beginning to see change. And and I thank God that, uh, you know, we're, we all, Ryan, Bill, and I, were part of the body of Christ, co-equal with each other and with the rest of the body of Christ, and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do ministry among our people and, yes, even beyond. God's greatest work has always been done through the underdog. We're underdogs. And... It's interesting to see how God is using those underdogs for his glory. Well, and I loved in your book how you compared the Native American church to that early church in Antioch mm. and how that was a, a tribal church. Mm-hmm. You're listening to I Work for him as we broadcast today from Cass Lake, Minnesota on the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe, the reservation right up here in northern Minnesota. It's one of them. It's one of many. It is also the the land of the Chippewa, the Anishinaabe, the the people. And uh, we've got Bill Haas here. Bill from the ministry of mochahum.org, mochahum.org, M-O-K-A-H-U-M.org. Bill, your 
you're teaching uh, people to be prepared to be in pulpit ministry, foreign ministry. Do you, does the, I work for him. This is a question I wasn't planning on asking, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Does I work for him ever fit into what you're doing? Do you teach your people that although they're called the pulpit ministry or foreign ministry, that their ministry level is no more significant than those people that they work alongside that are electricians, that are used car salespeople, that are people working in the grocery store, people that are engineers or accountants. Do they understand that their calling is equal with all the callings? Uh, absolutely. And the reason why is because actually at Mocham, we, we um, stress bivocational ministry. Oh. Um, our reservations are very poor. Uh, most of our graduates who, let's just say, pulpit ministry, they go there, they're still going to have to be electricians. They're still going to have to work at the pizza place. They're still going to have to hammer nails. They're still going to have to work on cars. Um, and so we look at, at vocation, no matter what it is, whether it's uh, hammering nails or doing plumbing work or working on cars or uh, giving a Sunday school lesson or teaching, uh, uh, preaching a sermon, they're all vocations from God. And um, so there's no difference uh, in, in the way that we teach. Uh, all vocation comes from God. Uh, and so that's the, how we approach ministry. Um, it's, a, it's a struggle. And there are very, very few um, ministries across Native America where a pastor is what we might call, quote, full time. Right. Where he's actually supported by his body. Exactly. Correct. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm working for chief, um, but I'm also a tribal college teacher. I'm teaching business, and for a good portion of my life, to make this short, I was a pastor, and then I transfer into this, you know, mostly work as a business instructor and working through chief. And uh, I'm not, I'm not a pastor, but you know what? I realized um, I probably am building more relationships with native people and native young people as a tribal college business instructor than I would be as a pastor. But you are pastoring them. Yeah, but I'm pastoring them. I'm listening to their problems. I'm listening to their stories. One young man comes in. I say, well, how are you doing? He says, you know what? I'm not doing very well. So it's breaking down in tears. And he says, what? I said, what's going on? He says, my best friend just committed suicide. And, and me and my other really good friend, we're talking about taking our own lives, but we, we talked each other out of it. And I'm able to be right there as a business instructor in the classroom and walk them through that. Uh, I'm able to be a witness for Jesus Christ right in the midst of that tribal college where there's very few Christian people there. And so that is, that is a ministry in and of itself. Uh, and this whole business's mission is a growing movement where, where God is sending out people to establish businesses and, and run them in a Christian way to bring glory to God and to gain inroads into cultures, to share the gospel. Um, and so ministry is so much more than standing behind a pulpit, even though that's a big part of it, obviously ministry, I believe is honoring Jesus Christ, serving Jesus Christ in whatever context we're in. Well, you know, your listeners, when you think of uh, yourself, uh, I'm speaking to your listener now, uh, who, who are you closely related to in your work? You're probably the closest person who knows Christ to that person who's lost in your in your workforce or in your social uh, social activity group. You're a soccer mom. Who do soccer moms hang out with while their kids play soccer? Soccer moms. Soccer moms. That's a tribe. Yeah, they all where, drive the same vehicle. It's yeah, like they all have the same kind all, of horse. Yeah, the same horse. Same little pictures of the kids and of the dogs, you know, on the back windshield and all that. And and, and the thing is, we God's people in the pews are the 
are the missionary for, or could be the missionary force if they only realized that all they have to do is open their mouth and share the gospel, find inroads in the in the connections that they have every day. I, one of my tribes is a wheelchair tribe. I sit in a wheelchair after this hor- horrific accident we've been in. I go to PT, and when I'm at PT, I have uh, other other young men and women in wheelchairs from hor- horrific accidents. And I nuzzle up to them. Tell me your story. They tell me their story. I tell them mine. And I find ways to bring the gospel to that tribe, the wheelchair tribe, in in everyday rescue. That's what Tribal Rescue Ministries is all about. I love the way you guys label all that and 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 spell that all up because it is that is what's so important is that we as Christ followers understand that there isn't a ranking on the calling. Mm-mm. Let me ask this question because you, you one of you brought it up. Well, Ryan, you just you just brought it up. Yeah, the, most um, <clears throat> most people in the United States of America who watch ridiculous news, uh, all we hear about the Indian reservations is the uh, just alcoholism, hopelessness, utter poverty. Yet. That is not just limited to the Indian reservations reservations across this country, but it's talked about, well, that's what's going on. I mean, those, it's just hopeless places yet. That is just uh, a depiction of really what people's hearts look like here. How, what's the solution? Obviously Jesus is the solution, but you got to get people to hear about Jesus because Jesus can solve that kind of hopelessness. But how do we bring the hope of Jesus to the, the reservations across our country and, and start to, to fight against that poverty of soul. Oh, one of you's got to talk is radio here, people. <laughs> Ryan, you go ahead. You started. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is the importance of prayer uh, and being united in prayer. And sometimes we come up with all our ideas and our techniques and our plans and stuff, and we neglect prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's wisdom that God's given us right from the book of Acts. What did they do before they went out to change the world? God told them to wait in the upper room mm-hmm. in prayer. And then you see that right after that, that they, the church, they gather together in unity and they pray together. And, and it says in Acts, it says that they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, the place is shaken, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Mm-hmm. And so I think as a church that we need to get back to the foundation and the foundation is based on prayer. Uh, and, and then I think that we, we go from there. Um, I would have to say, um, uh, Jesus said, by this shall all know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. And I think some of the historic errors and mistakes made by the Christian church against Native America were done because the love wasn't there. Mm. Um, good things were done and ministry was done, but there wasn't a, a motivating heart of compassion and love behind it. And I think if we want to see things change, not only do we need to talk about Jesus, but we need to live like Jesus. We need to be Jesus in our communities with our hands and our feet and our hearts and our mouths. It's not that we need to send money or send clothing. It's we, I mean, it's relationship need to be built. Right. Craig, you get to add comments on this. Yeah. Craig's been doing really good because Craig's a preacher. He's an evangelist. He's loved to be up front and talking a lot. He's done a Lord really great us. job holding back. Lord help us to do radio here. But how do how do we yeah. do this? I mean, well, what, what's your perspective? I, I think first of all, for me, uh, one of the greatest battles we need we have to win is the division that is there between the races. And to me, as I look at God's word, the only place where true unity and racial harmony can exist is within the body of Christ. Mm. Why is that? In Ephesians 2, it talks about you who sometimes were afar off have been brought close together. How? By the blood of Christ. 
This isn't a PC issue. It's not political correctness. It's a BC issue. It's a blood of Christ issue. Think of this. Just as much blood of our precious Lord and Savior was shed to reconcile us to each other as was shed to reconcile us to God. We've got an evangelical ministry. We've got the that part done right. The, we understand the reconciling to God part. But what we still lack is this understanding that Christ's blood was shed to reconcile us to each other. That means a two-way street of coming toward each other in love, acceptance, and forgiveness where forgiveness is needed and embracing and empowering each other to walk together down the gospel road and proclaim the gospel in our communities, in our tribes, wherever our people are, and whether that's red, yellow, black, or white. And the thing is, it is there at the at the foot of the cross where we are all brought down to an equal level, redeemed by the blood of Christ. I now live uh, like Paul did. Paul says, uh, all these things that amounted to who I was before I came to Christ, my culture, my tribe, and all that, I count but lost for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. He is my all in all. And it is the blood that draws us all together in That's unity. Right. That's what we want. I want to make sure we plug your ministries and, and how people can get all of you. Craig Smith, your ministry, Tribal Rescue Ministries, how do they find it online? Uh, tribalrescue.com. Tribal Rescue. Okay. Dr. Ryan O'Leary. You teach at the Tribal College. You've got this ministry, Chief Inc., but you didn't have a website to drive people. You wanted to drive people to your phone number and your email. Sure. Phone number, 218-556-6014. Email, roleary7 at yahoo.com. R-O-L-E-A-R-Y 7 at yahoo.com. All right. Bill Haas, how do people get a hold of you? Mokahum.org. M-O-K-A-H-U-M dot org. Or you can call me at 218 218- Five five six three five seven five. So if we want to reproduce what these guys are doing across the country, get a hold of them. Bill Haas, Dr. Ryan O'Leary, Craig Smith, thank you guys for sharing from your hearts. Thanks for sharing from your tribe. Really appreciate it. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank, thank you. you. It was really Big great. Rich. Really make sure you guys uh, just check these guys out online. Uh, if you missed some of the show, get back there and listen to the podcast or the archive. Uh, this is something that's going to bring together unity in the body of Christ. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. But ultimately, I work for him. I work for him.